ladies and gentlemen, here we are. It is episode eight of George, Ezra and Friends, the podcast. Thank you very much for meeting me here. Um, for those of you that are new to all of this, my name is George Ezra. I'm a musician, I'm a singer, uh, I'm a songwriter. And uh, just over a week ago, I released my second record, Staying at Tomorrow's, which is never not bizarre saying that out loud. I'm still getting used to that. Um, so yeah. I'm very busy at the moment to give you an idea of what I'm up to. It's kind of touring time and um, meeting a lot of lovely people and seeing a lot of new things and it's great. So thank you very much for all of your support. Um, this week's guest, without further ado, is the completely lovely Jessie Ware, who very kindly uh, invited me over to her place and I think it was in the middle of a bit of a hectic day. I imagine most of her days are hectic, um, full of all exciting things and she, she, was, she very kindly um, gave me a little slice of her time which was lovely and of course for those of you that don't know which I'm sure you do already Jessie has her own podcast uh, it's a podcast called Table Manners where her herself and her mother uh, cook dinner for their guests and uh, they chat about all sorts music life food and it was absolutely lovely I was a guest on the show and it was an episode with a twist but I'll let you go and find out what that twist was it was very funny um, it made me chuckle a lot it was great so thank you for having me Jesse um, as always if you've got children kids little people around you just there might be one or two swear words I just want to say that just in case and um, yeah thank you very much for meeting me here without further ado here we are it is Jesse Ware So thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. How are you? Um, I feel very hyper, George. I feel like I've had too many coffees and I've got too many ideas in my head, but yeah, I'm all right. That's good though. Like, yeah. What's today been busy with? Today has been busy with, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, persuading my agent that I'm going to be able to do festivals next Yay! year. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, uh, kind of meetings and whatnot and just also being a mum and having a really messy house and having you as a guest and and sorting out like logistic things it's just about one of those logistical nightmare days but mm. yeah everything's good let's get on to baby talk later on okay fine we don't actually have to I'd be, i'm really interested really? In that. Okay. well only because we're both at a point now where we're both promoting music yeah and there's a difference i get knackered and go to bed yeah and have time to myself. Yeah. But you don't have that luxury anymore. No. And that must be a completely different kettle of fish. But let's, like, wait for that okay, bit. Okay, fine. Not because it's going to be, like... It's really meaty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... I find when I'm recording these, it really helps me if there's, like, some... Like, if it's kind of chronological, if okay. that makes sense. Okay, okay, yeah. Fine. So you're actually maybe the only guest I've had or the second that actually grew up in London. Okay. And that interests me because a lot of... Why? Where, where are you from? I'm from Hartford, okay. which is just north of London. But like a lot of, I think a lot of people in that situation like me, you're, it's not on your doorstep. Like yeah. performing a music and, you know, there's little open mic nights and stuff yeah. like that. Is that what you did? Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky. I was in a band in Essex, and we would, but we would like it was a thing when we were travelling to London. But do you remember when did you first start falling in love with music? And um, so I 
so kind of I was always really into like the divas and my mum always had like tapes uh, so of Whitney Houston and so I remember just like loving a big vocal and like a good voice and I remember that like my I always I loved stars in their eyes and I used to think that show me heaven by Maria McKee was going to be my stars you know that um it's from uh, Days of Thunder I think the Tom Cruise <laughs> film um and it's like, show me heaven, cover me. And I mean, yeah, um, ambitious, even though I was this, not confident with singing. But how old were you at this I point? I was like, oh, I was like, eight. Okay, But nice. it wasn't like I was ever going to do it. I was like, mm, so I kind of fell in love with, I guess when I kind of really fell in love with music, when I was kind of introduced to kind of R&B and like there was, there were people like Lauren Hill. Nice. I loved Fuji's. That was kind of when I was in year six. I was like 10, 11. I remember Killing Me Softly being like the school disco song. And then Lauren Hill obviously did Miss Education, which was a phenomenal album. Yeah. And, and then also I became completely obsessed with like jazz singers, but like kind of the ones that were doing the jazz standards. So it was first, I think my mum had an Ella Fitzgerald tape that was... Um, Ella Fitzgerald singing Cole Porter. Okay. And so it had, like, um, Love for Sale on it. It had... Um, uh, what else did it have? It had Under My Skin, I think, and um, The Ladies of Tramp, and... Um, well, I love Paris in the winter. I love Paris in the fall. And so I loved that, uh, her, and I just thought it was such great storytelling. And then I kind of went into Frank Sinatra, and then my, my ultimate jazz singer as Billie Holiday but I kind of discovered her later okay. and so I started singing that stuff did and you have friends that were into that as well no I think it was just kind of well it wasn't that they weren't into it but I went to a school that in South London called Alain's which weirdly became quite a hub for emerging music because there was so in my year Jack Pignate do you remember Jack Pignate he's bringing new music out finally so Jack's one of my bestest friends, and then Felix White was at the school too, and obviously he's from the Maccabees, and Flo, Flo was the year below. No way, so yeah. you went to the same school? But it wasn't a performing arts no, school, no, no, and no, no, no. none of them were involved with the music there. I remember Jack and Fee doing Oasis in the talent show as like a bit of a joke, and like having fun, and like Fee had that... the Parker on being Liam Gallagher, <laughs> and it was amazing. But they weren't kind of, we, they weren't, you know, the bright sparks in the music school. I used to have classes and um, singing yeah, yeah, lessons, yeah. but yeah. But I wonder, see, this is what I mean about growing up in a city because mm. there is more culture in cities and therefore mm. you're more likely to have, I don't know, parents that allow that kind of thing. I don't know. I, there was definitely interest in mm. my school in music, mm. but there wasn't half of the Maccabees, Jack Pinate and Florence <laughs> and the Machine. Like, uh, I just think that's an amazing thing. They're, so you grew up in Clapham. Yeah. So... You know, instantly. Which in my is where head. you made your record. first and second record. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, which nobody makes music in Clapham, I don't think. So that's I amazing. Know. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's just Cam, the producer. He's got his place set up down there. And it I love of, it. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I get like while I'm there, I'll get an Airbnb for the whole time that I'm there. Where whereabouts were you? I actually, this time round, I ended up doing three. So one of them actually overlooked the common, which was amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah, really nice. But then the difference is, you then have. Brixton Academy on yes, your doorstep yes. and you've got the electric on your doorstep yes. and that's normal well the electric wasn't the electric it was the fridge which okay. was a big dance place so I never went to the fridge it was like hardcore dancing I think it was quite housey I'm not sure 
but yeah, Brixton was really important to like my musical and live education because like it had one of the biggest drum and bass nights, which I was really into drum and bass when I was kind of a teenager from about 16. And they had this night called Movement in St Mark's Church, which is opposite Brixton Electric. Nice. Right. Like and so of, that's with friends? That was with friends. Um, and my husband was a drum and bass DJ. We used to go to a night in Streatham High Road. And, and it was also on Wandsworth Road. Like, so it was very local. And then um, Brixton Academy was obviously down the road, like five minutes away. And uh, I've been to see at Brixton Academy people from um, Coldplay, NERD, Jill Scott, um, Frank Ocean. I mean, yeah, so it's kind of NARS. Bloody hell, there were gunshots that went off in that one. No way. Yeah, was, and Dizzy was supporting him. During the set? Yeah, it was mental. God, I don't yeah. like that at all. No, it was not fun. Did they carry on? Did well, the show carry on? Or did Nars leave? So it all, it, everything kind of stopped and there were screams and there was this surge. And I've never really had that experience of being like nearly crushed. It was like everyone moves and everyone's scared. So kind of got pushed to the side. And because everyone trying to get, I think the gun, like the, the bullet ricocheted. And, um, and it, it, lights went on. Everyone was like, what the hell's going on? Was it a gun? You know, it wasn't, it was like one shot screaming and then weirdly but quite boldly Nas comes back on with made you look which starts with the gunshot it was not set up though it was like ah, and everyone's like this is really weird um but yeah he came on back with made you look with the um, gunshot yeah. and uh, kind of but he was definitely thrown off stage very quickly by bodyguard but um yeah it was mental so you say you, you went to school with Jack Pinati. I went to, yeah, I went you, to school. Did, you joined him on tour? Yeah, so J Jack's kind of the reason that I'm doing this on my own. Because I, you know, people knew that I could sing at school and I, I sung, but I wasn't, I wasn't like Flo, who was already in a band at the age of like 15 and she was like playing at Corsica Arts. Like, you know, I used to see her play at Corsica yeah. um, in Elephant and Castle, like on a Friday night with her band and it was... It, she was she was working like yeah, she was doing it. It wasn't and, just like a yeah, teenage it was, band. It was she knew. She was like was... getting on with it. It was this band called Ashok, and she had such confidence and like self belief. And I was just kind of like, oh yeah, no, I sing. I like singing jazz standards. And uh, <laughs> and then Jack just asked me to do a session for Zane Lowe at Maidavell Studios, so I could do for work. And then I just um, sung with him, and then he kind of kept on. And that album, it was his second album. Paul Letworth had done it, and it had lots of kind of. BVs and like this sense of kind of togetherness and, and kind of. I remember the second one. It was like a massive carnival tonight. record. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like having vocals really helped, and so, and it was all my best mates. So. But did you end up touring with him? Yeah, yeah. D across the UK, you did. So started with the festivals, kind of kept on getting asked back. Then um, did an American tour. No way. Um, but like he said, I can't pay you. Um, I. It's going to be a splitter van. It was sharing, head, co-headline with Mike Snow. He's like, I can't pay you. It's like, you know, you are just going but to be I can there. Get you over there. You're going and to get you a visa. Exactly. Tonight. And I was like, I don't need to get paid. Kids it's like, the best experience ever. I get, like... Kids these days! No, but do, you, do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like... 
that's the whole the drive of kids is like you bite your hand off for an opportunity it doesn't matter if you, yeah. you'd probably pay him for the opportunity like yeah I'll honestly come I, I was sharing a bed with the bassist who's yeah. my mate Joel and we were in the most disgusting motels <laughs> yeah red roof it was worse babe it was absolutely disgusting um but it was the best month of my life it was and it was hard like it was hard jack was you know wasn't enormously popular in the states and the crowds were a bit tough but like we had the most amazing time but would you find yourself looking back can you identify that you were kind of watching him perform and go i want a bit of that like Uh, i want a bit of that line maybe like didn't want to i was you know what and i'm not even lying I was so satisfied being within it and not having the pressure of being the person that has to front it, but being able to kind of sing and be part of the band and, you know, have all that that goes with it, but like not the pressure. And so I wanted to be a session. So I was like, well, when Jack finishes, I'm going to sign up to a session agency, see if I could do that, even though I didn't think I'd be very good at it. Did you go ahead and do it? Well, I didn't really get the chance. Okay. Because... Tick, my friend who works at Young Turks and XL, he was on tour with us being the bass player and he was playing me loads of Samphire and Subtract and he was like going to different record shops around America and like giving out these white labels um, of their records. When was this? This was like 2009. No way, all that time ago. Yeah, so... He was like, you should work with this guy, Subtract, and you should work with Sampha, Subtract, and Sampha have been working together. Yeah. And neither of them were signed yet. And I went to Tooting, and I went in the room with him, and I was completely petrified, and Tick was, like, holding my hand through it, and we did this song called Nervous, which I didn't write a lot of. I just kind of was like, okay, yeah, I'll do what I'm told. But it was great, um, and it got picked up by this amazing Glaswegian dance label called Numbers. And then it kind of, that just kind of made it a thing like subtract was like i'm gonna have it as subtract and jesse Ware. numbers are putting it out here you go no um, way and that and then you know the internet was very kind to me like yeah. uh, it was when blogs were just kind of starting out and like people were blogging about me so i kind of like it it was i didn't go around the houses meeting labels i first person i met it was about it was kind of to meet um this guy ben palmer who's from pmr um, records to speak about maybe collaborating with this guy called Elvis 1990 who uh, he was managing and was putting music out for and we didn't even get to do that he was like I think I want to sign you and he did and then the rest is history mm-hmm. and how long did that take from that point working towards a record were you kind of focusing on getting an album together for, or were you just seeing where the wind took you and I'll do I'll jump on this track I'll uh-huh. jump on that track I'll... so I I got signed by PMR and it goes through like Island which is a bigger label yeah. obviously um, and you know I hadn't I hadn't really tried writing music myself so I think I, it was down as a kind of development deal which is what they do sometimes where it's kind of like it's a tiny deal, so it's, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out, from what I understand of a development deal. Um, so they haven't invested a lot of money into you, so there's kind of less pressure. But they're there to support you yeah, when you need it. exactly. So it was with this doing an EP, 
and we didn't even end up doing the EP because I was I really freaked out I felt completely inadequate didn't know what I was doing felt like it was completely in the deep end and wasn't making very good music at all and I was like shit I've been oh. signed and I actually don't know what to do was there a point where you went I've been signed and I'm not living up to this yeah something's, I mean I feel like that every day of my life up. so yeah um, no you don't no I don't you feel like you're completely an imposter well I don't know you're very good but like I've I felt I feel like I'm just coming out of it but I don't feel like I'm an imposter like yeah sometimes I feel like any minute someone could tap me on the shoulder and say all right you've had your fun mate like, yes. let's step out of the way now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, I get that. So, I just felt like I kind of cheat. I, I cheated it, and it had been too easy and too good to be true. And I know how much people struggle to get to this position, and it's a very unique situation mm. to be in. So anyway, I was very lucky. Management and and and, and Ben and um, his brother Daniel were really good to me, and just kind of, I think they kind of hid it from Ireland that I was freaking out and I found Dave Akumu who basically changed my life who Dave Akumu my manager put me in touch with because he'd met him at a barbecue and thought we'd get on he's part of a band called The Invisible who were up for Mercury they had been kind of well known in the London circuit as kind of session players really solid session players Dave's played with everybody and they're a really great band and I got in the studio with him and I said, oh, you know, I love Sade and I love The Weekends. just brought this mixtape out. It was, um, what was it? Was it House of Balloons, the first one, I think? And I was like, I kind of want to do this and I don't know whether I should. And he was like, cool. And he was like, I've got this in mind. And this song, Devotion, he'd started. And that became kind of the blueprint for my whole career. Yeah, and it is the title of your debut. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a moment then. Yeah, so it was amazing. He's, like, been the kind of, like, my godfather in music and he's always you know there's no agenda with David mm-hmm. Kumu he 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 doesn't try and make the the music for anyone else apart from the artist mm-hmm. so yeah he's he's an incredible person amazing and before you like started recording devotion there's there's some really wonky sounds on your first record mm-hmm. like in a good way mm-hmm. the production's kind of it's really dirty in some places yes. and it's quite smooth in other places. Yeah. It's dance. The one that really stands out to me is Still Love Me. Uh-huh. Like, w- before you started recording the record, we, did you have an idea of how you wanted it to sound or was that a combination of who you were collaborating with? So Still Love Me is pretty much like Dave Akumu down to a T. I love like, it so It's got much. like Peter Gabriel vibes to it and like it's wonky and it's like smooth. Yeah. Um... I, you know, it's funny because I was listening to a lot of kind of left film music and I was also, my collaboration with Samford had already come out, I think, Valentine, this song that we did, and we'd been working together and I had this song called Strangest Feeling that Samford kind of um, wrote with me and did a lot of the production and then Dave finished it off. And so I always had this kind of slightly wonky thing. I wanted it to feel like the, the beats and the kind of synths were feeling fresh mm-hmm. and modern but there still felt like this classic thing to it. So, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. We just kind of tried things, and I, I really just worked really well with David Kumu, Hudia Bashmore, Samp, and this guy, Kid Harpoon. So it's just kind of like, I think I work the best when I feel completely comfortable and mm-hmm. safe in the studio and I can get things wrong. And I've been in studio sessions where, like... That is not the vibe. It's so oh, important. You, do you do a lot of co-writing? Um, 
with one dude. So, like, I've got Joel Pot and me are kind of like a partnership. Okay. Um, Who else has he done? Um, well, we did my whole first record together okay. and this one together. He's He was in Athlete. He oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Athlete. He's a really good writer. Yeah, man. Like, I, yeah. I, I love him. I, like, I, I've worked with a lot of other people on this record, but none of it made the cut. It's one of those things when options come up, mm. I'm always like, yeah, of course I'll entertain it. Like, I'd love to get in a room with them, but these things take time. Yeah. I don't think, I personally can't just walk into a room with someone and just create something. I need to get to know them a little bit. Um, Do you play? Guitar? Yeah. Yeah. See, I feel like that's like a good weapon to have in But I'm like very... Once I got real basic chords down, I was happy. Everything I listened to growing up was kind of storytelling. So once I had like G, C and D, (laughs) which is what Budapest is as well. Like it's just like, (laughs) I can just... Which is a brilliant song. Yeah, thank you. But it's kind of like the, the kind of milestone song in my career so far were... It's made up of the first chords I ever learned, and that's very that's amazing. Of me as that's a romantic. Vibe. Yeah, I like that. Um, but I get it so much. You need to feel in the studio. More important than anything else is that you can fuck up because it's not. Yeah. It's a rehearsal until it's released. Mm-hmm. Like you're just figuring mm-hmm. it out until it's released. I don't like it when there's a. Sometimes you get this feeling of I really need to perform now. And that's yeah. not what the studio's about. That's no. when you're on stage. That's Glastonbury. That's, yeah, you know. totally. And I think that that's that. Like, there's that those moments in the studio, which, unfortunately for others, they will never have that ex- that pure magic when mm-hmm. something accidentally happens, and you're like, "Hold on, how did five minutes ago we had no idea, and then it's just <laughs> suddenly we've got some kind of song, and yeah. it feels like." so exciting and oh my god wow and you're like already fast forwarding to Gustenbury yeah, 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 and thinking yeah. oh yes this can work there's like that magic that is completely addictive and actually quite hard to get yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's very highs and lows the music industry isn't it Halftime break. So this is the section of the podcast where I give us all a little breather and I split the conversation in two and I tell you um, what I'm up to. I touched on it earlier. We're on tour. Um, We're here, there and everywhere and it is great. We are loving it. As I said, my second record is now out for you to download and stream if you so wish. Um, it's, uh, it's called Staying at Tomorrow's and what I did was I found a stranger on the internet and um, they were renting out their spare room. You could go and live with them, so I did it. I, I went over to Barcelona for a month and I went and stayed with Tamara, hence the record is called Staying at Tomorrow's. Um, it was a great time, if not a bit bizarre, you know, naturally, it's a bizarre thing to do, but it was great. Um, I absolutely loved it. And as a result, I've got this collection of songs that are songs about dreaming and escaping and taking yourself away. And I, I hope it's an antidote to the modern world and I hope um, that you enjoy it. Yeah, there you go. And hopefully I will see some of you out on this tour that we're now on currently. Thank you for keeping us busy. Thank you for meeting us here. Um, I've rambled quite enough, so let's jump back into it. Here we are, this is Jesse Ware. have a structure when you're in the studio so when you're recording do you give yourself hours in the day i like to think of it as a job Mm -hmm. so i in fact so i really put this in place 
I realised this kind of through the last few records, but like I put it in place really solidly once I had a baby. Um, so once my daughter arrived, I was like, I am only doing, I think it was like, I was like, I'm only doing 10 till four or maybe even like 11 till four because I'm going to be away from my newborn baby because I need to write this record because I need music out. But I'm going to be with her in the morning and I'm going to make sure that I'm there to give her bath her dinner, time. bath time, yeah. put her to bed. And so for me, it was very strict. And I think a lot of people that I worked with were like, whoa, we're starting at nine o'clock in the morning. Okay. <laughs> Starsmith was like, hmm. But, he, we, <laughs> but like, he, he loved it. He was like, this is so good because I've got the whole afternoon to be able to work on other stuff. And Honestly. Like, it was great. So this record, for the first time we put in place, we're in the studio for nine, between nine and 10, mm. and we finish at five regardless. Mm -hmm. um, and without fail, every day, the most creative hours bet were between nine and 12. Then we'd have mm. lunch, mm. we'd wig out and get all sleepy, mm. and then, you know, work on little bits from the day before. But it's the early start, and just, on the first record, we made the mistake of oh, getting for 12 and then we'll finish when one of us falls asleep. And yeah. you know, it's like 10 o'clock and you're, no. you haven't seen sunlight all day and your ideas are not getting better. No. That's the fact of it. Well, I got asked, I was, I was supposed to be writing with somebody next week and unfortunately they wanted to start the session at 6pm and I really want to write with this person but I'm like, I'm, I'm, no good is going to come out of that session. No. Because uh, that is not when I do well. So yeah. unfortunately we won't do the session. That's completely fair though. But like, and, and, and I don't know if I'm like kicking myself, like, you know, looking a gift horse in the mouth and like, you know, I should probably do it, but I just also like, it denies me. I, I already struggle with the balance of being able to be a mum and, and doing this as a job. So for me, it's like Paloma Faith actually really kind of, she's very strict with her schedule and I really respect that. And like, look, sometimes shit, you have to go away and you, you know, and the album's out and you have to bloody especially with promo, promo the promo you don't call is the just shots relent. it's kind yeah, of like oh yeah, well, you totally. want to promote your record so you well you to need to be versatile. here at this time totally but I do think you can have control over when you're in the studio and I think it's more productive and I've seen people that I worked around me that worked around me like they saw that too and I wrote most of the records since she was born so mm. like that for me is telling of it working for me absolutely I think it's just important to get a balance between real life and music life mm. I, 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 like every now and then you you step back and you see that your real life and your kind of music life as it were they're too intertwined and you're mm. like hold on i need to put music to bed just for one week mm. i need to go and spend some time with the people i love and, and then, then it will all make so much more sense it's hard to get back into it isn't it because no i get of... hungry for it but like no but it's one once you're in it what i mean is like when you go back and then like even, I remember in the first record, like my friends stopped inviting me out because they just expected me not to be there. Yeah. And then you feel like, oh, God, I'm losing. You feel so dramatic. Do you find as well that, that, that it's funny how uninterested your friends are in what you're doing? I love it so it's, much. I love it's it. You so go to the good. pub and there's like five minutes of what have you been up to? And it's like, oh, this, this is. Oh, cool, nice. And yeah. then you crack on like I know. normal. I love so that. So good. When. Um, Obviously, you're a parent now. When you like, if you were like an introduction to your live music being drum and bass, mm -hmm. a lot of your early projects were involved in dance music mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Were you ever a party girl on tour? Was there ever a time when tour was I, like? I was when I was a, a backing singer, but I am really strict when I'm on tour. I have to be. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, I feel like boys can get away with more than girls because my voice just goes. It goes. I was trying to explain to someone, I was like, look, modern touring is a nice pair of running trainers and a Nutribullet to have your food in the morning. <laughs> like, you get to festivals and everyone's... It's not rock and roll anymore because no. can't, it can't be. No. Especially, it's what you're saying, especially when your name's in lights because that's, they're coming to see you. And if you can't mm. perform, mm. Not, it's not happening. And, you know, it's... Like, I, I like to think people come and hear me for my voice, like you. And if your voice isn't there, well, I can only chat so much. But, like, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's, 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 it, you, I, you can't hide. If my voice is fucked. And I've learned, like, I, no, I think, like, schedules, people not understanding that you, you need rest, even, like, voice rest. And you feel like such a dick saying it, like, like, just being like, this is voice rest. But... Those promo days, um, going into a show, and it's like you've basically been talking all day, and then you've got to go and sing for an hour and a half, and it's like, and then you've got to meet people after the show. And I'm sounding moany, but it's like it no, really takes no, it out of you. Really, yeah. Do you do you tour with people? Do you have people around you that you can turn to and have a moan with? I mean, I moan all the time. I feel like you're probably like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. And I. I really am so happy I've got my new, uh, my old tour manager back. Um, she's amazing. And she was my tour manager at the end of my first campaign. And then kind of, she left me. And then I've managed to get her back. And it, she, it, it's really nice to have more women on tour. Um, you know, I'm, it's so male heavy, the industry. And my, my band and my crew and everything. For me to have a female tour manager and now to have um, keys player who's female and percussion who's female, it's like, oh my God, I've now got like some women on tour. And it's really stupid things. No, not even stupid things. It's just simple things like, like really awkward things. Like, I don't even, I feel embarrassed saying, like if you're on your period, you don't want to tell you or like, do you know what I mean? It's things like that. No, I get that completely. I tour with my sister everywhere we go. Oh, do you? Yeah. What does she do? Well, first ever tour, she came out and sold, sold merch. Yeah. It was kind of like she yeah. had nothing to... And now she's kind of my PA on tour. Or amazing. Kind of How does that work? Like, it's amazing. I wouldn't do it without her. Is she older or younger? Older. Is she ever like, do it yourself, George? Uh, no, because I don't want for much. You don't demand... But okay. it's more just like having someone to turn to that knows you. And knows well. when it's too much. Yeah, yeah. and also... Like, the first time recently we met at Radio 2, mm -hmm. and I was like, you've started a podcast, I've started a podcast, let's do it. <laughs> and one of the first things you said to me were oh like, God. where are the fucking girls? Oh, I'm yeah, finding yeah. it hard to get girls on the podcast. Mm. And I, I realised, like, shit, you're so right. Mm. And actually, it's not even for guests for the podcast, it's throughout. <laughs> now, just, just for argument's sake, you could say, well, talent is... Uh, what's the word? Celebrated, wherever mm. it comes from, mm -hmm. you know? But it's definitely true. There's a misrepresentation. You've just said that you've, like, aimed to have more girls with you on tour. Mm. Um, what, was, what was your thinking before that? Were you looking at your, around you going, hang on a minute, where well, are the girls? No, you know what? Because I'm such a... I'm so comfortable in boys' company. And I think when you come into the industry... It is, I mean, what was I reading the other day? No, it was Annie, um, Annie Mack did a piece in a female, mag um, a, late, like a women's magazine. And it was saying about how there's like only like, I think 
one or two female execs in all of the labels. Was that, forgive me if I'm doing the wrong stats. It's significantly, like, low. And um, I think at the beginning, I just kind of, it was just kind of... This is how this it is. This is how it is. And then you do some touring and you kind of... And I remember, basically, my tour manager, who I adore... I remember I was doing my first summer of festivals and I was in Brighton and I was on the same bill as Katie B, who I absolutely adore. And my tour manager is, was and is Katie B's tour manager. And I remember just seeing this strong woman bossing everyone around. Not even like, it, 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 she was just had her shit in order. And I was like, I want her, I love her, yeah. I need her. Yeah, and yeah. I managed to get her. And it was just like, I think it was just like, it, you know, I, I come from... A strong female lineup in my family. You know, it's my mum, my sister, and um, and I missed it. But it wasn't like it wasn't to make a point, and it no. wasn't to. It just it felt there felt a need, and um, you know, Annie Mac has been really kind of inspiring. You know, she has an all female management like team. She really, yeah, amazing. And I don't like, and she you know makes sure that she, she and she said this in her article that she said. You know, she tries to be as equal as possible with billings. That she'll have as hopefully as many girls, um, guys, on the lineup. But sometimes it's just not possible. Whatever. Yeah. But like she was talking about the wireless lineup. There's only three women in the wireless lineup, and there's so much. You know, wireless seems like it's kind of a, more of an urban um, festival. There's so many amazing, strong, powerful, urban female artists out there. Steph mm. London, you know, there's uh, Mabel, there's Georgia Smith. I think Mabel's doing it, actually. Um, uh, I'm loving Sigrid as well. Sigrid's great. Brilliant. She's really good. Um, so it's just, you know, there's... there's I, I don't know the solution, but yeah, it, it definitely does seem... I think part of the solution is letting young women in particular know that it's an industry they are more than capable of like owning yes. like in the yes. sense that they i'm going to use this as an example but mm. a front of house technician mm. you know if asked to picture one i picture an older dude yeah totally uh, no like, i know yeah you know um yeah i it's, it, i don't yeah it's it, i think there's some really amazing things happening with women in the industry you see skeptics management um you know it's grace um it's Grace and, and Rada, and they're, they're two really amazing women. Yeah. Uh, I think they do it with somebody else, I think Sam. But, you know, there's some really wonderful women doing some brilliant things in music. Do you know, it's funny what you just said about Annie Mack saying how, you know, only X amount of execs in music are mm. women. But I signed to Alison Donald at Columbia, so my introduction okay. to any label was like, there is this amazing, no shit woman. Okay, that's brilliant. So, but she's now gone. And Where did Alexi, she go? Uh, she's gone back to publishing now. Okay. And then Alexi, who's the head of publishing, she's just left as well. But around me, you had strong. That women. was my introduction yeah, to that's it. Yeah, nice. Um, but then it was. I was at the Music Industry Trust Awards. Oh yeah, how was that? Male, old <laughs> and male, because like that is the ground floor. So that like what we're talking about there is the top of the shop floor, right? Mm. That's mm -hmm. the kind of. Mm -hmm. But then there's the powers that be above that that mm. we do not see. Mm. Like, yeah. And do you enjoy touring? I love it, and I'm. 
I don't know about you, but I feel like I spend the majority of my time promoting a record and then you tour it for such a tiny amount. Of Look, my, I think, maybe maybe my third album's a bit of a hard sell. It's a lot of ballads. <clears throat> but um, it's just kind of, I just feel like I'm not going to be able to tour this enough. And I really wish I could. And the promotion stuff just feels relentless. Like, mm. I feel like I've been doing it, I've been doing it since July. And I sh I'm not complaining because I'm very lucky that people are interested enough or want to talk to me about stuff. And I get, I get really good opportunities, but I make the music so that I can play it to my fans. And I'm so excited about my tours coming up. Um, I just wish they were a bit longer and I had more of them. But I don't know if it's because we're on this kind of cusp of like pop, do the Arctic Monkeys have to do as much promo? No, because no, they're like a, such a strong live act. But you know I think what I mean? that's a conscious decision. And if you commit to that, then that's fucking cool. If you are somebody that just doesn't really give interviews, that then when you do, everyone's going to read it. I know. But it's, you, I think you have to start off like that. I know, I fucked it. <laughs> yes, I was like, yeah, I'll chat you. <laughs> um, no, it's really funny. Like Even like doing this podcast that I do with my mum, my mum, you know, my mum's a social worker and she does not want to be in the public eye and I've kind of bulldozed her into doing this thing. And she is not interested about doing press. And the more, the, the more kind of uninterested she is, the more they want us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mum, what the hell? Like this mystique around you. They're like, can we get a picture? And she's like, no pictures. <laughs> it's so hysterical. Amazing. Yeah, so I should just follow my mother's rule, yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, you're on the most recent Ed Sheeran record. Yeah. New Man. Yeah. I mean, look, I got lucky. Like, Ed, Ed can do everything himself. He doesn't need anybody else in the bloody room. It's just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, well, I think that's, like, testimony to him as well, just kind of, it's just nice to do, isn't it? Yeah. What was your, what, what did, did you write the song with him? Yeah, so we were, I flew over to the States. I just had my three-month scan for my baby. I flew over to the States, I hadn't told people I was pregnant, obviously, because you kind of just, you don't know if it's yeah, going to yeah, work yeah, out. Yeah. Scan was great. Flew over, was going there for writing sessions. I was supposed to do a day. LA? Yeah, LA, yeah. sorry, yeah. It was, it was around that kind of, have you been to LA when it's like the Grammys time? Never. It's mental yeah. and full on. I think and I was there just at the cusp. Uh-huh. Well, especially when you're with, like, hanging out with Ed Sheeran and Benny Blanco, who... It, it's like people are just coming in and chatting about but it's it's really full on so anyway I go over there and uh, I was supposed to be in the studio with Benny and Ed the next day but I flew in and Benny's one of my best mates Ed's a really good friend and I was like flown in I'm here can I pop in and they were like come over come over we're gonna we want to see you so I went over to say hi to everybody, be in the house. Benny's got his studio in his house. It's like a revolving door for like people to just come in. It's very kind of... Doors open. Doors on. open, nice. really relaxed. Um, almost like a commune. There's mm -hmm. always someone to stay. Like, so um, I just went to see my mates. And Benny started doing something, or Ed started a riff, and then it became this thing. And I was just sitting on the couch, being like nodding my head, being like, that's kind of, that's kind of sick. And then lyrics started flowing, and I just got involved with the lyrics. And, Amazing. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And was it, did he kind of, you know, we were talking earlier about that kind of magic in a room. Mm. Was there that feeling of like, oh shit, this might make the album? I feel like, yeah, I mean, Benny, when Benny does like production, like basically he doesn't really change it from the demo. So mm -hmm. it sounds pretty much done. So it, he's such a brilliant producer, like it just sounds 
shit hot. So it felt really exciting. It felt really hooky. And like everyone was kind of singing it. Being, and you don't want to say anything because you don't want to be like, so Ed, is this going to make a record? <laughs> and is it going to be a single? Um, but it just felt exciting. And like I think there was absolute magic when we wrote uh, Say You Love Me okay. for the second record. That felt, you know, we were just in a locked room for 20 minutes and it just felt... Like it was just flew out of us, like this song. So yeah, it was I hate beautiful. songs like that because I just wish everyone I know. was like that. I I've know. got myself in this position, so I've just released this tune, Paradise. Yeah, honestly, which is very, very good. No, oh, thank you. I'm, like that wasn't finished over eighteen months. Like the the like how I do it is I write a verse. I'm like, that's pretty sick. Put that to bed, and then I'll be playing it four months later, and then the pre-chorus will come. And I go, oh, that brilliant. sounds like a pain in the arse. But no, it's quite nice really? because I completely forget. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of the tunes, when I'm writing with Joel, that's one of those kind of like, let's sit down, let's write so a tune. So did you write Paradise on your own? Yes. God, you're so good. <laughs> did you have all those like, um, those kind of um, big choral, like the, the big kind of like, sh- not shouty bits, like the yeah, yeah, together yeah, the bits, like, were you... I knew that. that you knew that was like going to be yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, like I, the the first bit I came up with was the call and response, but I didn't have the lyrics, so it was just da 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 da. Like I knew, and I was worried at first if it was too cheeky. Like the last one on the first verse is it's long, and then it goes how long? Well, it's a mighty long. Well, no, that's fine. what you're good at. Yeah, it's kind of I do love doing that stuff. Um, can we talk about being a parent? and a musician yeah. I know we've like touched on it mm-hmm. a little bit but I just find it fascinating I think like the reason I started the podcast was because there comes a point when you realise anybody doing it has to love it because of the amount of energy that's put in what, the podcast or the music music, <laughs> music. Right, okay. no. <laughs> no anyone that's like committing to music you have to love it because it takes up a weird percent of your life like it's a it's a real weird full-on thing yeah never more so than when you are then a parent as well yeah um how do you how are you finding it it's definitely not a walk in the park no but i can't imagine life being any different now uh-huh. she's the most magical thing and how I, old is she she's like 17 months okay so she's like nearly a year and a half um we still talk in months. It's so weird when but you're you pregnant. To, when so you're pregnant, much, you talk about weeks. It's like ridiculous. there's so much changes in months. The yes. reason people talk about babies in months yes. is because there's a difference between totally ten and twelve months. Um, so she is amazing. It is full on. I definitely, and I've spoken about this before, but I, I, I had such a desire to be a mother, mm-hmm. and I feel I felt like I hadn't fulfilled everything in my career yet and so I had this real kind of struggle with feeling guilty that I wanted to be a mother but not wanting to stop my work and it was just like this awful thing and I, and I spoke to Annie Mack about it and I was just like I want a baby so bad and I'm writing a new record and I don't know how this is gonna work and she was just like babe just go for it like do not wait just fucking do it it'll work it out cool, my Ellie. agent yeah she's great she's like my big sister in music she speaks so much sense and she is so supportive um my agent I kind of said it to I just changed agents too and I was like so I really want to become a baby loads of agents would have been like whoa Nelly <laughs> yeah. he was like do it yeah we'll work it out so I did it 
friends who are in the industry said, you know, I was like, right, so let's sort out sessions. Like, when I was pregnant, and they were like, whoa, just like, you may not feel like doing sessions when you've had babies. And that just incensed me, like, and so I was like, right, I'm going to prove to everybody yeah. that I can do everything, and I'm going to do it the best that I can do it, and it's going to be the best album that I've done, and I'm going to be the best mother. And I think I put myself under Did it get huge on top of pressure. You? I think by the end of last year, I was like, I... I I couldn't really speak. I, I felt so low. I'm not. I, I, I don't think I'm prone to depression at all. But I think I hit a low where I just run out of steam, and I was running on empty. And that was from putting like the sheer drive and, and determination, and maybe feeling like I was letting down either my daughter or kind music. of music. And it, it it's a, a massive struggle, and it's it's not actually been that fun at all trying to find the balance and I haven't found the balance and it drives my husband mad you know when you have to use social media as it's part of I don't know maybe you don't have to do that much but I know you're good at it the last two times I've been with you you've like been right on top of it because I feel like I have to I know babe like I do an insta stories like but like I'm I'm not great at it but like I'm better than some don't get me wrong but I feel a bit of a dick like posting like pictures of me like looking like doled up um, and then that gets the most likes it's just stupid isn't it um and then you put something up about unicef and being in Bangladesh <laughs> and it's kind of like tumbleweed no it's not people are very supportive about that um my husband asks me all the time to just switch off like yeah. try to like turn the phone but it's like you know i'm also i'm so involved in my career it's not like i, I i'm a yes person and I don't I don't just go yeah sure yeah whatever you want it's like I question everything because this is my business and this is you know my future and Mm. it's scary yeah I can't yeah there's this thing in the back of your head where if you sleep on it for you know it can disappear everything moves really quickly in the world of entertainment and there's like I have to remind myself that I'm a baby and I'm not the youngest. Does, does that I know. make sense? Like, I'm, oh, you're I'm not going, the bright young new thing. But I this think. is it. It's like I'm only 24. Fuck me. That like this Billie Eilish. Is that her name? Oh yeah. I think she's 14. Oh, you say. But bloody hell. And she's like a. She's a thing. Mm. And all she's power 14. to her. I think so. I could be wrong. Okay. I'll put she's in young. a fact. She's very. But that kind of puts it into perspective of like. Okay, holy shit, this thing moves quick, you know? I tell you this, so, what, uh, three weeks ago or so, we were on Radio 2 again together. Yes. And you were singing. Now, that's hard because it's the breakfast show and you're expected to wake up and I think you did three songs. Mm. Yeah, we had to learn two new covers because uh-huh. one isn't enough. Uh-huh. And then we did, no, I did four songs, yeah. Right. Two of my own and two covers. Are you talking about this could all go away? Your voice is too good for it to all go away. Oh, it was so like sweet. eight in the morning or nine in the morning, and you sounding good. Thank you, babe. Here's the thing, right? Do you feel a pressure? You could just say like, "No, shut up." Mm. But I can rock up to a breakfast radio show, and I will not have a makeup crew with <laughs> me. I won't. I would have thrown a shirt on, and I think that's okay. Mm. Do you ever feel a pressure to be turned out a certain of way? Yeah. Of course. I mean, when I'm off duty, my hair is greasy, it is scraped back, I'm walking down the road with my screaming baby on Kingsland Road, no makeup, people will double take being like, is that Jessie where 
she looks a bit rough. I don't give a shit. Yeah. This is my area. If I can't feel comfortable here, then that's mad, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you're in the like promo thing and like, you know, there's potential paparazzi outside and they're not going to comment about how tired George looks or, you know, how casual George looks with his whatever. But if I'm in tracksuit bottoms and trainers and no makeup, it's like, well, it, it just, it just, it's a pressure, but like, I think it's kind of just a kind of silent, pre- it's just kind of there. It's yeah. not that anyone's saying, you need to yeah, dull up yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of there. But yeah, I do feel the pressure, of course, but it's kind of, it's also quite nice to have your makeup done and <laughs> yeah. to feel a bit fresher. Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I think there's six of one of and like, half a dozen of the other. I remember my first album shoot, all of my, uh, it's like a crowd scene with me in the middle and a lot of the people in it are my friends from home. Mm. And, Obviously, I get makeup put on for the photo shoot mm. because there's lights and everything, and they're laughing at me. And I went, mate, I've got to live with this forever. Yeah, totally. I, I want to look good. Yeah, of course. So I get that completely. I um, got really airbrushed in a shoot recently, like to the point where like they changed the, like my chin and nose, and I didn't ever think I had a. Wait, were you in on it? No, did I you... didn't know, and so it came out. And like, hey, sometimes airbrush can be a little helpful, and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. get rid of a little spot, get rid of the bags, like. I'm I'm all for a ton yeah. of airbrush because yeah. just you know, but um, yeah, it was really weird. They kind of changed my face a bit, yeah, and yeah. I was like, that again, the worst. And now I'm going to be like, can people chill out? Or yeah, maybe yeah, I yeah. should say no airbrush. I don't know, but like, it was really weird. Did you see Stacey made, Solomon recently? Stacey Solomon, no. Um, oh well, yes, when she did her t- yeah. She was like, Look, this is me, and this is what Photoshop yeah. can do. Yeah. And I was just like, you fucking go. This is yeah. good. You, yeah. I love that you are doing this. Yeah. Um, We've, we've been talking about the kind of mountain of reasons that this might not be an ideal. I know, God, I feel st- like it's no, been no, a therapy no, session. No, no, but you're still doing it, mm. which suggests that you love it in some way. Yeah. Do you, you know, do you hope that you're still able to create in some capacity, you know, for the foreseeable future? What Do you yeah. have any eyes on, I know you've started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your kind of plans and movements for the future? I, that's the thing, I, I, I moan about it, but I, I need it, I think, I love it, and I appreciate how bizarre this life is, and I just need to enjoy it, I need to remember to enjoy it a bit more, I think, but... Yeah, I've got loads of plans, I'm already planning the next project, and kind of going to try and do it over the summer, really locally, um, with all British artists and do a kind of a disco sophisticated kind of boogie record and like I already I know what oh, it's going to be and please I'm really, do that yeah I'm really excited and I think that like I think it's it kind of is a big nod to kind of my early days yeah like when I was before devotion and like that that world that embraced me so wonderfully when I didn't know what I was doing I just kind of had a passion for it and so yeah I'm going to kind of have fun doing that. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Over that the is amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to kind of, I think I spoke to the most, I love him so much. He's called Ted Cockle and he's the president, I think of Virgin. And he was the president of Ireland when I got signed and he's a soul boy and I love him so much. And he speaks a lot of sense to me. And I was like, I need to do an album. Dad. And he was like, sod it. Just like put music out. Like just do it. Cause that's kind of what, good for Spotify I've realised like it's people quite like to hear music 
They don't, they, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if people need to wait like a year for another album. I'm just going to put music out like a kind of dance producer does and yeah. you kind of, you know, that kind of old school thing. I think like, that's going to become normal for solo artists, bands, rappers, just everyone. I think it will be kind of, I could be wrong, but I imagine people will kind of release songs and then when they've released enough songs, they'll go, fuck it, this is an album. Yeah, just, I, that's like, kind of what I'm hoping will happen. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't like annoy people, but I just kind of think that like, if people were getting new music every few months, isn't that more fun? Like, And it means that then you can kind of, the festival circuit's more realistic, even if you've got, yeah, not, you've totally, not got a record. Totally. I like that. And I love festivals and I love touring. And that's like, I just want to be able to play more music uh, live. And, you know, I... I I miss that, so yeah, that's that's kind of my plan. So that's what I'll be doing, and you know, um, trying to just enjoy it a bit more. I think you've got me on like a. It's like Friday. It's been a week of like promo, and, <laughs> uh, and I'm knackered. Yeah, so, yeah. good. I'm d- like, thank you for this therapy session. How much do I owe you? <laughs> <laughs> this is how it's happened with everybody on your podcast, or have I been really depressing? No, do you know what? It's been the common thread. Really? Mm-hmm. So everyone's moaning about being. It's not that people are moaning. I think that uh, it's not moaning at all. I just think it's the reality. Yeah, I think people like. I think from the outside, I think it seems like this glamorous kind mm. of. And I think so it should. Yeah, like I, yeah, I, I there's got to be that If the romance. public saw how everything was... Like, you don't want to see how the sausage is made. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. And I'd, I'm not saying that it's all ugly and that it's all... But, it, of course, there's a marketing team and there's a reason that this happens yeah. and there's a reason yeah. that that happens. And I think what the public should see is, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be... And yeah. then, bang. Totally. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Thanks, George. You're really good at this. I wish you you well with your podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It's the end of the show. Another show done. Thank you very much to the lovely Jessie Ware. Thank you for meeting me um, and, and recording this conversation. It means a lot. I appreciate it a lot. And thank you to all of you for downloading the episode and um, taking it with you wherever you are. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the previous episodes. I think there's something to learn from each of them. I've absolutely loved recording them. Um, as always, a huge thank you to Warren Borg for editing this conversation together. The lovely Oshin Griffin for the graphics online on the world wide web and to josh sanger and the closer artist team thank you very much for helping put this together um all that's left to say is that i hope you're happy i hope you're smiling whatever you're doing today i hope you have a lovely time yeah don't go changing i'll see you soon bye Turn your distractions off and discover your new favorite podcast. This is Bose Recommends. Hi, guys. I'm Nat Coombs from the NFL show with Nat Coombs. Yep, that was a title that took us hours to come up with. We're thrilled to be involved with Bose Recommends because, frankly, we are having a great time making this show. We drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. 
And the clue is very much in the title. We're all about the NFL. I'm joined each episode by terrific guests from both sides of the pond, players past and present, journalists, comedians, writers, you name it. They love NFL. They're in. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Acast, iTunes, all your favorite podcatchers. It'll be good to have you with us. Enjoy your new favorite podcast without distractions. Discover how at Bose.co.uk. Bose. Focus on.